good morning. You doing all right? Yeah, I've been, man, winter escalated quickly, didn't it? Like, man, we're all of a sudden, all of a sudden shoveling seven inches, my word. Well, hopefully that's not prophetic of our winter, but maybe it was. How many, how many are like, bring on the storms, right? Yeah, we got some of you guys, all right. There's like three, that's fine, yeah. Everyone here is like, we have kids. We know, we know what's going on here. No, it's, uh, that's, yeah. I was like, okay, I thought we were going to get an inch, but that's cool. I'll shovel seven inches of heart attack snow. That's great. Well, hey, grab, grab your Bibles. Um, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Actually, 8 and 9 we're going to go between, but chapter 9, that's on page number 968 in your Bibles on the seats. You can watch, you can do on, you know, do it on your phone as well, whether you're online or or. Uh, here, you can uh, hang out in the scriptures with us. We're going to hang out. As you're turning there, just a couple things. One, uh, we got the tree lighting coming up next week or a couple weeks here. Um, we need a few volunteers for that, about 20 people or so that can help out. So if you are just free that night, we'd love to just greet some people. And it's pretty much just saying hi to a bunch of town people. So if you're like the most towny of towny people, we want you. We want you. And uh, so just go and, uh, and register today. Go sign up at the connections desk today for that. That'd be awesome to have. Also, the coats, we did it. We did it. It took, took us just a couple weeks. Good job. Excellent. We got to give 100 kids coats. Um, uh, this winter, and so we'll, uh, that's going to go into Providence and into Pawtucket, and there's a couple schools that are just, uh, they're going to be, uh, uh, just going to be pumped for that, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so think about the magic number. What's the magic number for you? You know, that number where if you make this amount of money, everything goes away, All right? How many have had that conversation in their head driving down the, car, down the road, right? You're like, man, if I just could make you know, X and Y, you know, everything would just go, my problems would go away, right? How, how many have had, oh man, if I could just get that, like it typically happens right around when the lottery is like $900 million, right? All of a sudden you get this like fresh desire to make a lot of money and you're like, all of a sudden I can find $20 for something like that. But you no, know, you're like, what's the magic number for you? Is, and here's what I know, though, and, and you know, I haven't been doing this super long. I'm only 32, right? But here's what I know. I have been, I've been doing pastoral ministry long enough to know this, that every season has a new number, doesn't it? Man, when well, you got kids, all of a sudden, you got you to gotta add like $600,000 to that number. Like if you, if you, you know, if you're the, you, got the, you got your 20s, man, and like you're just, you're like, man, if I had enough money, I could just go out to eat every night. It'd be fine. And like your 30s and 40s, you're like, I just need to send my kids. I got to send my kids everywhere, apparently. And so I got to do this. And then when you get into your 50s and 60s, every, all of a sudden retirement's staring at you in the face. And then when you get into retirement, you're like, oh, I can't do anything now. Okay. Um, so there's like all these different ways, but every season has a number. And that's why I think the scriptures often teach us this in Ecclesiastes 5. It says this, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And that's why I, think that's why I think that's why Jesus is constantly trying to get past your amount and into your heart. He says, if, if I could just put this into its proper context, you'll never have that conversation with yourself ever again. Like, how many would love to get to that spot where you're just like, man, I just feel like I always need I always need, I always need, I always need. And I think what Jesus is trying to get to is there. He's like, who do you love? Who do you love? Do you love me or do you love money? And what Jesus is constantly trying, he's trying to get always past that bank account amount, that investment amount, trying to get past this one number. 
and into the state of our hearts. He says it's impossible to love both me and money. And so I think there's a question, like just one prayer, if there was one prayer that could, that could literally change this whole thing around for you, if, what if there was one prayer that, that if you prayed it uh, would actually absolutely change everything? So instead of saying, God, um, please help me make this amount of money, I think there could be one prayer that could help keep our trajectory and our relationship with money in check, and it could be this prayer here. God, how much should I keep this year? I'm like, no one's ever prayed that in the history of our lives. God, how much, see, think about all that's tied into the, the, like the dynamics of this type of a prayer. What are you acknowledging? If you were to pray this as you head into December and you start to wrap up and you kind of get into January and you see, okay, God, how much am I gonna make? January, December, I got a fresh start here. How much am I going to make this year? And first, I got to realize, okay, God, if, if, if it's in God we trust, and, and, and the Lord in his grace put that on every dollar bill to remind you. If it's in God we trust, first, I got to acknowledge that, man, you are the owner of it all. So you're acknowledging that God owns your stuff, and your heart doesn't. You're acknowledging that, that your identity isn't found in your investment account. It's not. It's, in, it's tied up in who Jesus is. So you're realizing, okay, I don't get to own my stuff, so God owns it. And if I steward it, God, how much do you want me to keep this year? How much do I get to keep this year? And so tied into this prayer is this expectation that followers of Jesus live the way of Jesus with their money. And that way is always Generosity. That way is always generosity. And I'm not, now again, I'm, talking, I'm not talking to you right now as a pastor who needs money. I'm not representing an organization that needs money. I want to pastor you in your heart to realize that you can live a generous life and the generous way of life is the best way to live life. It's the best way to live life. I'll show you that in a second. You do that, if you have generosity in your space, with your house and your cars, and all, if you have generosity in your time, so built into your calendar is a rhythm of serving. If you have generosity in your finances so that you can give and absolutely feel like the Lord's using you because that's what he's doing, you'll realize that you're living the way of Jesus. And so, so Paul is actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, he's going to be interacting with us on this moment. He's, saying, he's, he's going to try to tease this out with us. And he's going to teach this church, the, the church in Corinth, um, which was, Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth, they were jacked up, man. Like they were, you want to talk about a church that sh- just should have closed? It was the church of Corinth. Like we have people like doing things, like, like it just, it, it's nuts. If you, if you have some time, so some study, go ahead and read the church of Corinth and, and, and kind of the background of that. And, and all Paul's doing is he's, he's sending like the longest letters the most interaction that we have with the church in the New Testament is, is the church of Corinth because they, they just were so jacked up. And he's correcting them and correcting them and correcting them and correcting them. And at some points he gets so, like especially 2 Corinthians, he gets so sarcastic. And I love that. I love that. How many just love like a good solid bit of sarcasm, right? Shane's not here, but he, that's like his love language. Paul gets so sarcastic in 2 Corinthians 
and you're just like, man, I love this. Because sometimes when you read the Bible, don't we just like Shakespeare the Bible too much? We're like, we think that Jesus is standing there and he's saying, hey, hello, you brood of vipers. You hypocrites. And you're like, no, no, there's a good chance Jesus was probably talking with a little force here. Same thing with 2 Corinthians. Paul's starting to use some sarcasm here, and it's really amazing to watch and and to read through. But he's going to be talking to them about their generosity. And what he's doing, he's, he's actually comparing them. He's saying, all right, church of Corinth over here, you're, you're actually doing incredible things. But let me talk to you about a church in Macedonia. The churches in Macedonia, they're struggling and they're poor. And they gave. And they gave. He said, he said okay, uh, like literally in their moments of like their deepest struggle, they're still generous. They're still interacting with that. And so in 2 Corinthians 8, he starts off with this thing. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Remember, this is just encapsulating what we've been teaching over the last number of weeks. And they did, not, they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again, for the privilege of sharing in the gift for believers in Jerusalem. And so he continues, um, you know, I'm not commanding you to do this. This is what he's saying. I've urged you to do this. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. How about that for an awesome conversation with your pastor, right? Hey, I'm I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm telling you how this poor church over here did really well and how you rich church over here didn't. Thank you, I'll be here all day. <laughs> like that's what he's doing. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing way that he's continuing to go. I'm, just, I'm not commanding you. I'm just testing how genuine your love is. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we know that in here this morning, right? Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he can make you rich. And here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. This is what this church of Corinth, they started a little campaign. And they said, man, we got to pull some money together so that we can send it to Paul so that we can fund the building of the church, right? And so he continues. He says, it would be good for you to finish that. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning match now by your giving. Give, uh, give in proportion to what you have Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. How often is that true for us, right? We look at the amount of money we do have, the amount of time we do have, or the amount of time we don't have. We say, oh, I don't have time to do that, or I don't have money to do that, or I don't have space to do that, or I don't have this to do that, or I don't have that. You know what, my wife and I, recently, we just said, you know what, we're, st- we're just sick of saying I don't. We're just going to start doing it. I don't care if there's like 14 people crammed in this place. We're doing it. Like, I don't care. We're just going to start doing it because, because I'm sick of seeing it what, based off I don't. And so he says, I, he says, I want you to have that eagerness. Of course, I don't mean you giving, your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves, which is just a practical statement. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. 
And so he sees, he sees all this sort of thing. But here's what he says at one point. He says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. This is what I love. Because when I think about Community Covenant Church, how many times do we hear people talk about that with us? I mean, I just felt welcome. Didn't you feel welcome when you came in here? Right? Like, people talk about that all the time. I, just feel, I felt loved, man. Holy cow. I couldn't get away from Paul. Paul, like, just greeted me. <laughs> Like week after week after week. Is he back there? There he is. I just couldn't, I, I felt that love. Man, I just felt loved, right? Oh, Pastor Brandon, he's such a great communicator. Oh, oh my, I just love Connie. I just love all this stuff. The worship music gives me goosebumps, right? How many, how many, we've been there, haven't we? Right, we just, we love our church and that's great. It's good, it's good. And he says, I want you to excel, not just in that, but also in this gracious act of giving. What if Community Covenant got known for not just the, the great gatherings and the great groups, but some great giving. Now, what if, what if we were there? What if we were there? And now, I'm, I'm not saying that in a spot where we're not. I'm not that's, a rep, that's not a reprimand at all. I'm just completely humbled by the amount of giving that goes on here. So don't, I'm not, that is not a correction at all. What that is, is what could it look like if we kept the trajectory going? What could it look like for our church to continue? Like, we, we gave 100 coats away in two Sundays. Like, what, what would that look like? God, could you exceed even that? But what would it look like to go above and beyond all that we could ask or think even in that moment? So this is what Paul's constantly doing. He's saying, man, man, I, want you to, I don't want you to just be known for that. I want you to be known for all of this. So he says, here's how I want you to give. Here's how I want you to give. God, how much should I keep this year? Here's how I want you to do it. He begins to teach them the things that they should do. And this is where 2 Corinthians 9 comes in. He says, how should we give? Verse, uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 1 says, I, do, I don't really need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. This is what I love. This is his sarcasm right here. He goes, I know how eager you are to help. For I know, uh, and I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. How about, it's, like you were, it's, like, it's like when your wife signs you up to, to serve somewhere. You're like, Okay, I guess I'll be there. Um, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Right? Do you see what he's doing here? He said, hey, your generosity a year ago got this poor little church to do what they did, but you haven't sent your gift in yet. Oh, it's so funny. I don't know. I'm just a geek. <laughs> but I am sending these brothers to be sure you are, you are really ready. As I have been telling them, that your money is all collected. <laughs> Come on now, this is funny. Right? He goes, I've already been saying this. I've already been telling them for a year that your money's collected, ready to go. Be there in a week. See you later. How many love when you got like that type of bill in the mail? You're like, oh, thanks for that, car tax. Blessing. What a blessing in disguise. Right? So he's, he says, I've already been saying that to you. Um, and we would be embarrassed. Look, he continues. I don't want to be wrong about my boasting. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If, you, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all, I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure your gift was ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not a one given begrudgingly. I love that. That's so funny to me. It'll be funny to you maybe one day. But my word, I, I read that verse and I laugh and laugh and laugh. 2 Corinthians 9, he says, here's how we should give. Here's how he's, here's how he's teaching them we should give. Number one, you should give cheerfully. No, you should give 
generously. Sorry. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Not a hard concept. God is the owner of all, our, of all, all of our things, and he's like, who's the person who's going to be full of generosity? Who's that person? Who's that person that's going to do it? I got all these people, all these followers around the world. Who's the, who, who are the people that I can count on to handle the money that I've given them in a way that can actually give me glory? So I want you to give generously. Remember, we talked about this last week. The first one's the tithe. You give to the church. Give an intentional amount to the church. Say, God, you're first in all things. But he doesn't, he doesn't want just you to get a checklist. How many are glad that Jesus didn't give his first 10%? He gave his heart. He gave it all. And I'm not saying, that has, that's not a money statement. If you're cynical, I'm going to weed out some cynicism in your heart right now. Because that was me. That's not a money statement. That's a discipleship statement. God, you get my heart. You get my heart. And the first place that's going to get attacked, especially in suburban America, is going to be this finance piece. So I want you, I want all of you. I want all of your heart. And so he said, I want you to give generously. Why? Because you're giving glory to God. He's going to talk about that in a little bit. He says, when you give, you, you plant a small seed, you'll get a small crop. But man, we want farms of generosity. We want farms of generosity. So he says, give generously. Look at all of your stuff and try to figure out how you can be the most generous follower of Jesus that you can. You start there. He says, look, look don't hurt yourself, right? Second Corinthians, I love that. He says, hey, hey, that doesn't mean that you should make it hard for yourself, practically, but you should figure out how to be generous people. Look at your space, look at your time, look at your money, and figure out, am I the type of follower of Jesus that Paul is talking about here? He says, I want you to give generously. But he continues, how do I give? You want to give generously, but he's also, he, he wants you to give cheerfully. Verse 7 says this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And this is what I, this is, again, I don't, I don't want to pressure anybody. I just want you to Take your time to grow, engage in it, and then take the step when you need to take the step. I'm just teaching what, what I believe the scriptures are teaching us. I don't want to pressure anyone into doing anything that they don't need to do or they don't feel like they, they can do. I want you to take an intentional, planned out thought step to say, I want to handle this whole thing in relation to who God is. I want to take that step first. So he says, he said, I want, I want you to intentionally give. And then this point here, he loves a cheerful giver. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That word in Greek means hilarious. Hilarious. Like, he wants hilarious givers. Isn't that funny? I don't know, I love, I love this chapter, man. Like, you have the, like, the time where you're like, you did what? You did what? You're like, I know. <laughs> oh, man, I know. I think I got in trouble with that one, but I did it. God loves giving to the spot when you can recount in hilarious manners. Guys, we give. It's not a money thing, right? This isn't a money thing because you gave to vacations this year. You gave 
to the Patriots this year. You gave to the Red Sox this year. We gave a whole lot of time to the Red Sox this year. We gave to our kids' sports. Right? We, like, my kid could play soccer for five grand a year for a team. And that's crazy. And that's why we don't do it. <laughs> but you give. You give. I'm just, that's not my point. You give. And he says, man, I want God to be hilariously laughing. Can you picture, some of the times we just don't have a picture of God that way. We have a picture of God that's sitting over us with his arms crossed and said, you haven't done this yet. Why haven't you? No, you know what God wants to say? God wants this, God's God's like this big dad in the sky and he's like, what? You did what? That's amazing. What? You gave just your two cents this week because that's all you started? Oh, that's amazing because you gave zero last week. You did what? That's amazing. Live the best way of life, the Jesus way, the generous way because God's looking down at us and he's just rooting for us. Go, keep going. I, I designed it the best way. Do it, do it, do it. He wants hilarious givers. Hilarious givers. Verse 8, he continues, says, And God will generous, pro, generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, the, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Guys, it's in the Bible. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? I'm like, I mean, there's not going to be a human in here that doesn't read verse 8. God will generously provide all that you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share. What if that was like the real state of your finances right now, whether or not you felt that? And track with me here. We'll get to this in a little bit more in a a few minutes. Sometimes we feel so tight in our finances. We feel so tight in our general over the, the, our general picture. What if God said, "Man, that's what you need," and you have plenty left over to share? How would we begin to answer questions differently? Where would our trust lie? If we want to be followers of Jesus like this, we want to be known for this type of thing. He says, "Man, you you do have plenty." And you have plenty left over to share right now. We just got to figure out how to get it there. So he continues. So you want to be a giver that is giving uh, with trust. And so giving is trusting God. God will supply your needs. Here, here's, here's what is, is crucial here. We're going to go to that, back to that verse in a second, James. Um, here's what's crucial here. When you're giving... It has to be in a consistent form because if not, it gets eaten up, said every parent in America, right? We know that to be true. You're like, I just was paying this bill monthly. I finished it, praise the Lord, and now where did that money go? Right? How many have been there? Right? Yeah, this, we've all been just three of us. You guys are liars. Gosh, we'll get there one day. Like, where did that money go? I don't have $250 going into my savings account all of a sudden. No, it gets eaten up, right? That's just normal American life, I guess. This is why he says this in 1 Corinthians 16. 
It says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem. Remember, he's referencing, this is what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 8. You should follow the same procedure I gave the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Right? This is kind of like backstory to what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 8. He's like, I told you to do this. Now I'm sending my people. Right? I'm sending my people. And, and, you have these, and you have these moments where you're like, okay, how should I do this? How should I do this? Guys, take a step. Take one step. If it's intentional and it's a step in that direction, take a step. Say, God, I've, I, okay, I can't give you $1,000 a month. I can't give you $1,500 a month. I just don't, I, it doesn't make sense. But what, I, what he wants you to do is to take an intentional step. Hey, God, what is that? Okay, God, what is that? Cheerfully decide in your heart. Okay, God, I can't wait to give this to you. I can't wait to give this to you. I can't wait to give this to you. And take a step. And trust God. He's going to supply your needs. He says, test me on it. Malachi chapter, test him on it. Test him on it. Go home, or go home and just lay it all out. Say, here, where did my money go this year? And if I can give that much there, I can take a portion of that and give it over here so that I can tell Jesus how much he's worth to me. We can get there. I think we can. Are we tracking this morning? All right, we good? All right, sweet. So how to give. You want to give generously, cheerfully. Trust God when you give. Fourth, I love this. You want to expect growth. Expect growth. 9 verse 10 says this, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. Remember, God's providing all of this. In the same way, he will provide an and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Here's what he's saying. Not only does he give you the resources so that you can be generous, but then he gives you more so that you can be generous. And then he gives you more so that you can be generous. You know why the reason is? we desire the lottery all the time is because we're not doing this right here. Like, well, we want to win $900 million. I mean, come on, let's be real. Everyone wants to win $900 million. I'm not trying to make that spiritual or anything like that. I would sign up for that. I'd be waiting in line right next to you. I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to, you know, trying to mess you up there. What I'm trying to say, though, is we don't make this normal. We don't make this consistent. We don't make this a normal part of our life. And what he's saying, he's given that to you so that you can be generous. Because money always makes you more of who you are already. Money always makes you more of who you are already. That's why we know that the more you make, the less you give. That's a stat in America. Look it up. Just Google that. Google that. The more you make, the less you give. Because money makes you more of who you are. So we don't show up asking God to, 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 to uh, we, don't, we don't show up trying to proclaim our worth. We show up asking God to change our hearts. And so he says, I want you to expect growth here because the more you're generous, the more I'm going to give you to be generous. The more I'm going to say, I'm going to trust you with more so that you can be generous. Not so that you can go buy a new thing or upgrade in, in, a, in a way, but that you can continue to be generous. I'm going to give you more. You need to expect growth there. I love that part. So he says, how do I give? Okay, okay, guys, I'm going to send my people to you. 
You want, I want you to give generously. I want you to give cheerfully. I want, to, I want you to make it normal. <laughs> Man, I want you to make it normal. Set aside a portion each week and give it. Then I want you to trust me. Because some of you are going to make a step right now, and it's going to be really difficult. You're going to, it's going to be difficult. And you're not going to know what, you're not going to know how, you're not going to know where, but you know that Jesus is calling you to take a step here. So I want you to trust me, because I'm going to supply your needs. But you need to work with me. You need to take that step with me. And then he says, when you get there, I want you to expect growth. I want you to just realize that I'm going to help you here. When your trust goes off of you and onto Christ, you will begin to see this movement. If you're doing this right now, you know this to be true. So he says, what, lastly, how to give. I want you to expect fruit. I want you to expect fruit. Look at what he says here in verse 12. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. I love that. You're going to meet someone's need, but you're going to cause joy to rise up from the hearts of people. This is why this isn't a check mark. This isn't morality I'm preaching today. This is the good news of Jesus informing and shaping our hearts to be filled with the gladness of Christ. To say, I can't wait to be a part of all that Jesus has me to be a part of, this gladness of generosity, this gladness of living, that I'm not just, just tied to anything just because I feel obligated to do anything, but because I'm already filled with the joy of who Jesus is. So he continues. He says, I, I just, you're going to meet the needs and you're going to help them be joyful. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. Love that for your generosity to them and to all the believers who prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. For Paul, giving and generosity always pours out into the life of the church. He says, you want a healthy culture in your church? Have a generous culture. You can tell the difference between a stingy culture and a generous culture. You want to have a healthy church? Take this step. Take this step. We're going to expect it that way. But here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. The reason why we hear sermons like this and we just feel shameful sometimes, the reason why we hear sermons like this and we might get angry is because God is trying to pull out an idol from you, whether you are on the plus side or the minus side. He's trying to pull an idol out from you, and he's trying to put Jesus at the throne of your heart. And half, with the biggest hindrance to living the generous way of life that Jesus teaches us to live is because our finances, that he says are already plenty, and plenty left over to share. Right now, Look at your finances and say, there's plenty and there's plenty left over to share. I just got to make it look that way. That's why we preach our finance group. We preach it. Because some of you right now, that's not the reality for your finances. It's causing marital stress. It's causing personal shame. It's causing you to be really angry at me right now in this moment. It's causing all sorts of things. 
Because when you look at your finances, you say, this is not what it's looked like. That's never been my story. 2019 can be the time that you change your whole family tree because this will have legacy impact. This will have legacy impact. So decide 2019 is my year, not because the pastor wants more money, but because Jesus wants your heart. He wants it. 